What is up? What is going on? And welcome in. It's a new season for Minnesota United. And of course, that means it's a new season for Post Loons, your only immediate Minnesota United post game reaction that you get. And we are live, presented by our friends over at Soda Soccer. Well, we are Soda Soccer, but we're presented by our friends also at Pence Homes, Stimulus Athletic, and 9th Street Soccer and Coffee. As you trickle into the stream, please go ahead and give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're watching there, if you could. And go ahead and drop in some questions and comments. Let us know how you're feeling about this 1-1 draw from Subaru Park in Philly. Minnesota United getting the point against what many are calling the class of the Eastern Conference or expecting to be the class of the Eastern Conference. Alongside me to break it down is fellow Soda Soccer member and longtime uh, coverer of Minnesota United from his days at E Pluribus Lunum, now helping us out at Soda Soccer. Mr. Eli Hoff. Eli, how you doing, man? Doing well, Jeremy. It's a pleasure to to be here. I'm I'm digging all the soda soccer stuff. It's been it's been a fun, I guess, what first 36-ish hours of of soda soccer yeah. existence. And so uh excited to get to break this one down and start off the year. Yeah, if you could help us out at Soda Soccer by going to check out the website, sodasoccer.com, hit it, hit it, giving us a follow on social media at soda soc, wherever your preferred social media account is, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And also, if you could hit up our Patreon and uh, check that out, we have some bonus content up there, some early access content, so it's a great way to support us. Patreon.com slash Soda Soccer. All right, Eli, let's get right into this. Before we get into our three things, just give me your initial thoughts, initial impressions on the 1-1 draw in Philly. Yeah, I think obviously it's a great result for Minnesota. I think, you know, going into this game, if you if you offered up a 1-1 draw, you're going to you're going to take that um especially against a team like Philadelphia in in a great environment um i think it very much felt like the first game of the year you know there was a lot of action inside the first what 35 minutes both goals and then after that not a whole lot you know the second half was a was a bit of a, a snooze uh but i think that's to be expected these teams are are still getting things together minnesota especially going to play a little bit more cautious given how much injury related stuff there is on the back line and in the rotation there um so i think fine result for for minnesota um played the villain a little bit which is kind of fun to see and a little bit different uh, i think you know philly's yeah. going to be disappointed though I, it was a very balanced affair it's not like the loons completely fleeced the union here um good balanced result one one yeah and i guess we'll take that right into our three things here eli because that's kind of where i'm starting here my first thing is a point as good as three right? If you can come away, especially considering the injuries that Minnesota United had coming into this, no Will Trapp, no Roman Metnair, no Chase Gasper. Um, You're having to bring in a couple of brand new pieces into the starting 11 in O'Neill Fisher and Kervin Ariaga. So a lot of unknown and you're facing a team that probably should have and could have made the Eastern Conference or excuse me, made the MLS Cup final last year. um, If not for some COVID-19 protocol issues there. Um, obviously people think their roster is very, very complete and very good heading into 2022. Um, so anytime you can go into that environment on the road and come out with a point, it looks as good as three. Now I will put a caveat onto this, that Philadelphia very much left the door open for Minnesota to grab three points in this one. Philly was definitely not at their best whatsoever. So definitely could have been three points for Minnesota United. But again, it's the first game for Minnesota here. They're getting their feet wet. A guy like Luis Maria, it's going to take time to get him reacclimated into the system as well. So a little bit of rust on both ends. So not a bad thing at all to get a result and get a point in Philadelphia. 
yeah absolutely um i i think again you know, this is the the first game of the season and there was already a lot more rotation than you would you know and ideally your first game of the season you're rolling out your best starting lineup and we can very safely say this was not minnesota's best starting lineup and so i think that's a that's a factor in there as well that a point with uh half the defense being backups you take that yeah absolutely absolutely all right eli your first thing here lose yeah, equals I, I, chiefs explain yourself yeah i went unconventional here and normally i'm fairly anti cross sport analogies but i was watching this game and i just i felt like i was watching the chiefs now I live in Chiefs territory. I live in Missouri. And so I watch a lot of the Chiefs down here. It's what we get every Sunday. I have Chiefs fan friends. I was at Chiefs Bills in the playoffs. I watch a lot of the Chiefs. And what I feel like the Chiefs fan experience is, and if there are any actual Chiefs fans watching or listening, they can correct me if I'm wrong. But my takeaway is that it is very, very fun to be on offense if you're a Chiefs fan. It is very, very nerve-wracking to be on defense if you are a Chiefs fan. I feel as though this Minnesota United team is going to treat us much the same. When the front four are playing, when the passes are happening, when it's one-touch passing, crazy turns, things like that, it's fantastic. The second possession is lost, though. It gets very, very nervy very quickly. And that's that's partly a byproduct of of today and having two backups on the back line, not having Will Trap out there. But I, I, I am worried that that's going to be kind of a trend throughout the season. Um, the attack could be one of, if not the best in the league. The defense could kind of be the opposite of that. And so uh, just, just kind of... The difference there uh, is going to be something interesting to watch through the rest of the season. Definitely. A little bit different than what we're used to seeing from Minnesota United, too. A lot of times, especially over the last, I would say, three seasons, Minnesota United has played a very, very defensive-oriented brand of soccer. They're not going to blow anybody out, but they're not going to get blown out either. A lot of 1-0, 1-1, 2-1 type affairs. Um, But this season looks like it might be a little bit different, kind of a wide-open game for Minnesota United. Uh, today against Philadelphia Union, which could have bit them in the end because Philadelphia does have the attacking quality to, you know, take advantage of a situation like that. But um, it, it voted well for them today in Philly. All right, my thing too, depth passes an initial big test. That's one of the question marks coming into this year. I say a question mark, but a question coming into this year. Does Minnesota United finally have the depth to withstand some of the starting 11 health issues that they've had over the last few years. This has been a reoccurring theme. And I guess maybe bodes a larger question on, you know, physiotherapy and certain things going on, uh, you know, in the training ground and behind the scenes that may be causing these injury issues that Minnesota United has seemed to perpetually face over the last few years. But either way, when you face these kinds of persistent injury issues, your depth is going to be huge. Minnesota United hasn't had that depth the last couple of years. This year looks to be different. They've added a curve in Ariago, O'Neill Fisher on the back line. Um, you know, the, the arsenal of strikers that they, they've brought in and put together. Guys like Joseph Rosales, Justin McMaster looking to take the next step, right? So people were very optimistic about the Loon's depth. And I think it was called upon in a big way today, right, with the injuries. Uh, we saw Bagakuli Hlongwane, who had, had some good moments, had some not so good moments, which you expect from a guy having his first, you know, making his first appearance for Minnesota. But all in all, I mean, if you consider, I would consider a C a passing grade. I would say it's in the C plus D minus or C plus B minus range for what I would grade the depth today. What do you think, Eli? I totally agree. As a college student, I fully respect that those grades are what get degrees, as they say. Um, and and I think that's that's exactly what this team needs if they're going to succeed. Um, you know, being able to put in the depth and contain an attack like Philly, which is 
you know, by all accounts going to be a top tier attack on the team or on the across the league this season. Um, that's that's about as big of an initial test as as is possible in this league. Um, and and they weathered the storm. Absolutely. All right, Eli, let's get into your second thing here. Yeah, so my second thing is actually two things. Um, I wanted to have four things to talk about and couldn't find a way to fit four things into the three thing segment. And so my way to do that is to make two things into one thing. Uh, but it's it's two things to talk okay. about the attack. Um, one is that Franco Fragapane remains better than you think he is. You know, Reynoso, uh, Reynoso gets the attention, and rightly so, but Franco Fragapane really, really makes this system work. He was just, he was balling on the left side of the attack. Uh, some of his one-touch passes and wraparounds and stuff, it's really, really tremendous body control and just control of the ball that he he creates passing channels by just simply being flexible. And that's mm-hmm. something just very interesting um, and, and, and a unique skill set and something that makes him so vital to the attack. Uh, so, again, he remains very, very important. Uh, he had the assist. Did he have, he had the assist on the goal? Yes? Question mark? I think. Jeremy, did he have the uh, I believe, Yes, yes, he did. Okay. He did. He brought the ball down the left yeah. side, got super deep in the box, almost to the end line before he found that trailing load for the goal. So, yeah, I mean, he, he and he yeah. was causing chaos on the left side pretty much for the entirety of the first half. It seemed like Philly didn't have an answer for him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and I say Luis Maria picked right back up. Um, and I, I say that not in a, in a scoring sense because obviously he didn't. Um, but as far as pushing the back line, that's what I think makes Luis Maria so great as a striker is the runs that he makes. And, and folks who listened to me or read what I was talking about during the 2020 season, uh, remember me talking about that probably unrelentingly. He's back. I'm back on that bandwagon. So I'm going to keep talking about the runs that he makes. Um, right away, The a, a situation like the Ludd goal, which will break down later on, but the reason Robin Ludd is so wide open there at the top of the box is because Luis Amaria is drawing two defenders by pushing the back line up and running forward. Yep. So um, those are the runs he's going to make. He's going to be able to be, you know, if you can thread a through ball around a defender, Amaria is going to be there to receive it. So um, picked right back up where he left off as far as making those runs. And, and that's really encouraging for me to see. Now that right, leads right into my third thing, right place, right time, Robin. He just has a nose for, especially in those goal scoring situations from those attacking situations when there's space in the box, he not only knows where to find that space, but to knows, knows where and how to make himself available to the one who has the ball. Right, he always seems to find the right spot within a passing lane, a passing channel, but also the the spot that's going to give him the best opportunity to score a goal. And he is one of, I would say, maybe not even one of, maybe the only proven one on this roster right now who has proven that he can put away chances consistently. Um, he has proven that he is reliable when it comes to finishing, which is not the case or hasn't proven to be the case over the last couple of years for Minnesota United as a whole. And he continues to be that reliable go-to when you need a goal. That's exactly why I picked him. Of all the strikers that Minnesota United brought on, the, you know, Luis Maria, Adrian Unu, people are high on Budanladi as well. Hopefully he gets healthy and back back on uh, back in the squad soon. Um, I picked Robin Lud to be the leading goal scorer, to, to win the goal scoring battle for Minnesota United this year, just because of his nose for the ball. You don't have to be a striker to get in a solid position to score a goal. And Lud, the reason why Adrian Heath calls upon him consistently to be a striker when they don't have necessarily uh, one healthy or one fit is because he is so good in front of goal in the middle of the box like that. And he proved it again today. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a surprisingly safe pick for the, for the team golden boot. Um, you've, you've got a lead now, Jeremy. 
sitting pretty at the at the top of that at the top of that race. Let's go. Let's go. We didn't we didn't we didn't bet anything on it. I'm but I'm thinking I should introduce some sort of bet into this now because I have a supreme advantage. Uh, of of at, course at you would. Point. As the person at the top of it, yeah. Now's the time to to put some money on it. Classic. Absolutely. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna hit up the Slack chat and see if anybody wants to wants to put any money in. All right, Eli. What's your third thing? Yeah. So it's something that that you already kind of touched on with the depth piece, but it's that the defense mostly worked. Um, again, conceding one goal to to the union is not a bad thing. We'll break down that goal, and I think it's a bad goal to concede. But in general, letting one in there, I think, is is largely fine given that personnel and and just how outclassed they were. Uh, in terms of speed, in that there really was no speed um, on the back line, but that worked, which I was, after watching the first 10, 15 minutes, it was nerve-wracking. It looks like any sort of yeah. fast player was just going to be able to torch him. And especially, you know, on either flank, but especially that left side, Debassi did fine, but is in the left back, uh, held his own. It worked, and it, it wasn't pretty. There were some nervy moments, Tyler Miller included in that, but it really did work. And so that's an encouraging thing that this team can, can find a way to defend in an occasionally ugly, occasionally scrappy fashion and still come away in a, in a score line that gives the attack a chance to do what it does and, and net points. No speed, no height on the back line. Right. And you only give up one goal to Philly. I would, I'd, I'd take that 10 out of 10 times. All right. Absolutely. We are now going to bring in fellow, SodaSoccer.com, Minnesota United contributor, John Marthaler. John, how you doing, sir? Not too bad. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're good. Uh, just gave our three things on Minnesota United's 1-1 draw in Philly. Give us your overall impressions of the match. Uh, my overall impressions was I thought it was a pretty good performance for Minnesota. In a lot of ways, it looked a little bit like a preseason game. There was a lot yeah. of guys who haven't played together a lot. There were a lot of passes that looked like me mashing buttons playing FIFA that just went off in the direction that nobody could quite understand. But beyond that, I thought Minnesota won a lot of 50-50 duels. They were working hard all over the field. And I, especially coming on the heels of one of the questions that people were asking was, why did they look like they rolled over and played dead so much in Portland? To have them come back and put in what almost qualifies as a gritty performance today, I think was a good sign for Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely. And the the midfield pressure is something I was kind of looking at heading into this is something that would be a huge factor for Minnesota. I mean, that's traditionally how they've had success and how they've generated attacking chances and not necessarily from the back and from the back line, but generating those turnovers in the midfield, in the defensive midfield. And without Ozzy Alonso, a lot of question marks on if they'd be able to rise to that challenge. But Kervin Ariaga looked really good. I thought Hassani Dotson played played pretty well as well in that role. And they, they rose to that challenge today. No. Yeah. I, especially towards the end of the game, I thought when they started pressing with 10 minutes to go or, or so, when they were trying to find that last chance, they were the only team that had a good chance. They turned Philadelphia, Philadelphia over in the midfield and Unu was in on goal, but couldn't find either side of Andre Blake. And it, that sounds pretty familiar, honestly, but the, I thought they I thought they did well, especially at the end of the game when you'd expect them to be tired and expect them maybe to be losing it. They were instead the stronger team, and I think that's an encouraging sign. On the TV broadcast, they obviously talked to Adrian Heath on the field, as they usually do. Um, Heath said he was overall happy with the performance, but did feel like they had the, they had the potential to get all three points in Philadelphia. Um, is that the vibe that you also got in the post-game press conference as well? Yeah, I, I think he expanded on that even a little more. He said, after I... He said something along the line of, after I thought about it, I think that 
maybe we deserved the three points more than they did. Now I'm guessing yeah. if you went to Jim Curtin's post game press conference, he was probably saying the exact same thing. I think the first power in the last minutes, Minnesota was the better team. I think in the middle, Philadelphia was probably the better team. I know um, Jonathan Tannenwald, the Philadelphia Inquirer guy, his headline was that it was a disappointing one, one drop for Philadelphia. So I think both sides are going to look at this and say, ah, a point is good, but there were opportunities there for three. So for you sure. can look at it either way. I, <laughs> the way that the way that I would look at it if I was them was to say, if I was Minnesota United, I'd say, you know, in the first four games of 2022, we already have a point. And last mm-hmm. year we had none in the first four games. So getting a point on the road in Philly. The funny thing was he almost always says after a road draw that he'll never turn down a point on the road. He almost says those exact words. And I don't think he did today. I don't think he said, I'll never turn down a point on the road. But that's usually his attitude. And in this case, I think a point on the road on opening day in Philly with three unforced, three forced lineup changes, a couple of guys who've been here for about two days. He said that um, Kervin Ariaga's paperwork, his clearance came through while they were on the plane to Philadelphia. So Amazing. It, <laughs> for all for all of that stuff to happen and for them to still go up against one of the better teams in the East and get a point, I think they have to be happy with that. Kervin Ariaga's paperwork getting through at the last minute was just a saving grace. For right. Minnesota, you're down Will Trap. You're you know you're down Jacory Hayes. You don't even have two defensive midfielders really. I mean, I guess Nab Nabi Kibanguchi could have stepped in in the last ditch uh, situation, but I mean that would have raised I mean so many more question marks than we already had. And Ariaga played pretty excellent today. He almost scored a goal on a free kick. I did not know that he had that sort of free kick ability. Right. Um, he, he played that defensive midfielder role, that six role, extremely well. Um, give me give me your thoughts on Ariaga today, John. Well, that free kick was funny because what I was saying, I was watching the game with my brother, and I think what I said right before the free kick was, yeah, everybody knows that Kervin Ariaga is not taking this free kick. And then he steps up and whips one right off the right off the crossbar. I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know that was a possibility. I was yep. pretty sure about what was gonna happen, and then it didn't. But I, I thought I thought he played well. I thought it was a little bit uneven, which you would expect, but Given the circumstances, given that he got to Minnesota a week ago, given that his paperwork came on the plane, he's playing with Asani Dotson, who he's spent absolutely no time with at all. And they weren't Minnesota was not overrun in the midfield, I didn't think. I thought they played pretty well. Given the circumstances, I don't think you can be anything but happy with that performance. I think with Absolutely. the midfield John, too. I'll get some more context from you on the post-game press conference in just a few minutes. But right now I want to bring in somebody who without his support, sodasoccer.com would not be possible, literally. Um, and he is a diehard Minnesota United supporter. So we're going to get his thoughts on the 1-1 draw. Nate Pence from Pence Homes is in the stream. Nate, how are you today? I'm well. How are you guys doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's finally, uh, it's great to finally get a chance to talk to you here. Um, we'll talk about Penn's homes in just a second, but um, obviously you watched the match. Give me your, give me your overall thoughts on the one, one draw. Uh, I'll take a point. I'm uh, especially after the own four start a year ago. Um, I was surprised at how well we had position kind of took majority of possession in the first half. Um, really felt encouraged with our front line. I think that's going to start playing. Did you guys, did we have Reynoso and um, Amarillo play together in the, in 20 at all? I'm pretty sure no. the answer to that is no. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I think they're once they're getting once that front line is playing together for a few matches, they're going to really a lot of that sloppiness there will get cleaned up. Defense is probably our biggest question mark right now. Um, mm-hmm. so that uh, the corners, all the corners, those <laughs> that was a little uh, nerve wracking to say the least. Yes, but I, 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 I have to be, I feel pretty encouraged. The, the midfield did feel like at some points. In the second half, it was just back and forth, and there was no midfield. So that, you know, hopefully that changes with, uh, you know, once we get all healthy. But I'll take it overall. Are you feeling any different after the match than you did leading in, Nate? I mean, obviously the smart money probably would have taken Philly considering the uh, the injury issues that Minnesota United had with three guys out. But, I mean, are you feeling any differently now than you did at the start? Maybe a little more I'm feeling – I mean, Minnesota it's United always – I mean – before the season starts, you're always feeling high and you're always feeling overly confident about your team. This is with every sport, right? Um, yep. But I think I was pleasantly – like, I, <laughs> I I went in like, all right, don't give up a goal in the first 15 minutes, please. Like, almost like a yep. weird bargaining thing like before. Um, uh, just some PTSD from, you know, the first two or three years of MLS. But I think, mm-hmm. I, I think we have to be encouraged with this team in terms of what they're going to put a lot of goals – in the net. And I think, uh, I think it's going to be a fun summer. Yeah, I agree. I, at the very least, I was texting Jeff Reuter during the, during the match, actually um, saying that at the very least, we're going to get a little bit more of a wide open, exciting brand of soccer this year, theoretically from Minnesota United. So um, that yeah, would be I mean, fun. What, what also, I mean, last year was, was struggle. I mean, I felt like there was like the dog days of summer with in August and September, there were so many times when, with injuries on the front line where we were just luckily just to even have a few shots on goal, um, let alone even score. So I think with what we have right now, it feels, it's, it feels different than last year already. I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. All right, Nate, thank you for the insight. Um, so you obviously are the, the founder and owner of pencehomes.com proud supporter, uh, or we're proud to have you supporting us uh, here at sodasoccer.com. If you could just tell the people a little bit about, about Pence Homes and, and if they're buying or selling, why they should go with you. Yeah, we are a small real estate team here in the cities. Um, we really tried to provide a great customer experience for our clients, um, but also set them up with expectations on how to win in this market. It's very competitive. I'm sure people have heard. Um, like right now, we're down 20% uh, in, of inventory of homes for sale compared to a year ago, which was, a, which was very low before. Um, and we also have more buyers out looking at homes than we have a year ago so yeah those things in common we've what we've seen happen though is our team has put uh 22 people under contract since january 7th um and we sold 100 houses last year so we're already almost a quarter of what we did a year ago after you know you know two months um, and that's really because we kind of focus on let's, what is the best strategy to get you into a house that you fits your needs and as many as your wants as we can, but also not having to overpay and compete with homes that are selling for with 10, 20 or 30 offers. Um, so we're really kind of focused on a great customer experience. We have a team, we have three, uh, almost four agents now on our team, as well as an operations staff, um, to really make sure that, um, no matter what our schedule is like, that there is someone available who will be able to take care and get clients out to see homes and get them in there. I mean, I, I see some of the, the homes that you put up on, on Twitter as, as available. And I 
go to my fiance right away. I'm like, we need to go to St. Paul. We need to move because that house looks awesome. She's like, no, we just bought this house. I'm like, Ugh. so but yeah, oh, I mean, I mean, you can you so can, some houses you can, to be had sell sure, now, and I, it sounds like you're the guy to get in there. There's nothing stopping you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can talk her into it, Nate. Maybe I can. All right, Nate, no, I mean, it's also one of those questions is you know one of the things that we really want to focus on with some of our clients is if you're going to buy a house and pay fifty or sixty thousand over, which isn't crazy to do, but it's happening. Like this is a you need to be like set to be in this next house for the next seven ten years to see that return back. And so that's really one of the things that we really want to make sure and educate our clients so that they know exactly what they're doing when they walk in. So, yeah. All right, Nate, how can people get in contact with you? Uh, easiest way, go to our website. There's a nice little form on there, penshomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z, uh, homes.com. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Dave Pence or Pence Homes, um, and then the other socials as well. All right, I'm put up the banner here for you too. Nate Pence from Pence Homes. Thank you so much, Nate, and we will talk to you soon. Yep, you're welcome. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, that is Nate Pence from Pence Homes. Could, I mean, literally could not do what we're doing at SodaSoccer.com without his support. So glad to have him on. And obviously a guy who knows a thing or two about Minnesota United as well. Um, John, who else did we get in the post-game press conference besides, Co- besides Coach Heath? Uh, the the player that was in there was Robin Lud, and he had about the about the things you'd ex, you'd expect to hear from him. I feel like he's gotten to the point where he understands the media drill well enough not to say anything particularly. I did think that the interesting thing that Heath mentioned and then sort of got followed up on with questions for Lud is like Heath said was I don't think a lot of people realize what this guy's off season looked like. He was in a forest in Finland for two months doing his military training. <laughs> and I think that was true in the sense that I hadn't really thought about what it meant when he said, oh, he's on military duty. In my yeah. mind, I was like, so he's drinking coffee in a firehouse or something like that. I don't know what that means. Yeah. But of course, it, it's the Finnish military. So he was off doing goodness knows what. Mm-hmm. So he, he sort of confirmed the same thing. He didn't, he didn't give a lot of details and maybe he's not allowed to for all I know, but. I, I just thought that was interesting to come in and score a goal after spending the, the summer in a military barracks somewhere. That's, that, that's, I shouldn't even say the summer, it was the winter. Winter in Finland, military training. That sounds awful. The more I talk about it, the worse this seems. Uh, if you're watching on the stream, if you're watching on YouTube specifically, give us a, give us the thumbs up and please subscribe to the channel. Um, if you're trying to drop a comment or a question on Twitter, you're going to have to go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com uh, and just search post loons or soda soccer um, to check in and leave us a comment there. Unfortunately on the stream yard, the Twitter comments don't connect to our little, uh, a little database here, but Dave Olenski left a comment. He says strikers still can't finish. I mean, there weren't too many chances from Minnesota United center forwards today. Um, Adrian Anu had a great chance that was saved. Uh, same with Luis Amaria. Um, we talked about a, a, an instance in the in the first half where Amaria had the ball in the top of the box, probably should have let it rip, but he ended up passing to nobody, which is, again, you know, still needs to kind of get, get it ingrained with the team and sort of uh, gain that continuity and consistency. But what did we think about the striker play overall today? And is it does it still, I mean, do, do we sense it to be an issue, uh, the finishing from the strikers still moving forward? I don't think it is an issue uh, moving forward. I think because the attack, as we talk about including the attacking midfielders as well, because that attack is so solid, it's not super necessary that the strikers 
be on their best. Now, obviously, having a good striker helps. I think last year's evidence of having a striker who can score is important with Adrian Nunu. But I think it's the it's the making the runs uh, that are really important. How you know I talked about it before. I'm going to say it again, and this won't be the last time. I'm not going to shut up about this. Amaria making the run forward is what gives Robin Lid space to be occupying behind. So that's something that's really important too. Um, you know, pressuring the back line, keeping them on their toes. One of the nice things that the attack can do is that it'll be flexible, so it won't be the same players on the right, middle, and left the whole time. They're going to switch channels. They're going to run at different defenders. Um, and so that kind of sort of positionless attack is what makes Minnesota so good. And they're, you know, the striker is just as important as the right winger or left winger is in terms of creating offense. Uh, it's about pitting the defense back and, when the shot falls, taking it, um, you know, I think that that opportunity you mentioned where Amaria kind of tried to do a little side kick out and there was nobody there, uh, not an ideal sequence, but him being in that spot is still is still valuable. So uh, after one game, not concerned. Uh, there's a lot of time yet. There's a lot of strikers on this team. So I think um, mm-hmm. the, the chances will be there and, and the goals will follow. I, John, I will say, are you, uh, do you have any different feelings on the strikers now than you did coming in? Right at, right towards the end of the game, there was one moment where Long Wane went past, I think, three defenders. And I thought for a second he was going to bend one into the bottom corner and the entire internet was going to explode. And I was really excited. And then his shot went wide enough that I think it almost went out for a throw in. But that was just mm-hmm. what that was just a extremely exciting moment, if not for me, for the Minnesota United social media team which would have yeah, got, sure. hit all of their social media the impressions through the roof for the rest of the year, yep. just from that one moment, just from posting clips <laughs> of that. Um, I think Eli sort of touched on how I felt about the strikers, which was, you know, Unu had that chance at the end that he, he, he may have may or may not have been trying to chip Andre Blake, but it was sort of directly at the goalkeeper again. And my feeling mm-hmm. about that is a little bit like, well, Whereas for most of the second half of last year, they just had to hope that Unu was going to get it together and start finding the back of the net. This year, as Eli sort of mentioned, they have the option to just replace him. Uh, if Unu mm-hmm. can't find the back of the net, if Amaria is not scoring, if Don Lottie's not scoring, it it matters a little less because they have options. And even if Longwane keeps looking good, they have the option of playing Longwane on the wing and playing Robin Lute up front or mm-hmm. any of the 15 or 16 other strikers that they've signed. So, Neither of the strikers didn't find the net, uh, but with the way the offense is structured and with the options they have, I'm not sure that's as big of a deal as it was towards the end of last year. I'm interested to see which of this, this pool of strikers sort of takes the reins and takes control right. and how long it's going to take for that clarity to happen. Because it didn't happen today. Luis Samarin didn't have a bad game at all, but he didn't really do enough to sort of solidify a spot. Adrian Nunu had some good moments after he came on, but, you know, he didn't he didn't score. Maybe if that goal goes in, maybe he's the presumed striker from here on, starting striker moving forward. But um, it is exciting to see that there was no sort of like woof moments um right. today from from a striker standpoint on the upside though we had this conversation before you came on john about about the back line about the and nate mentioned it about the the kind of the wolf nature of defending set pieces early on in the match uh but eli and i both kind of agreed that with the injuries and with the lack of speed and lack of size that was on the minnesota united back line to come away only conceding one goal i mean that, that that's a win what did you think of the defensive performance today 
Yeah, I mean, the goal that Philadelphia scored, you look at the defending of the cross itself, the defending on the end, the goalkeeping, absolutely all of it was terrible. Nobody is going to be happy with that on how they played that goal. But otherwise, I think mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit like we said in terms of Kirvin Arriaga's performance. Given everything, that's not that bad. In the same way, you look at a back line that's missing two starters that has Dibas, that has Bakai Dibas, Debussy playing on the left, which he can do, but is not his best position. Certainly not when he was pushing forward early in the match. You you play one guy out of position, you play, you're missing two guys who are going to play. Not a bad defensive performance, given those things, especially given the number of set pieces they had to defend. And I'm not saying their set piece defense was anything that you're going to look and be like, well, this is, this was a clinic, but Mm -hmm. certainly it didn't result in as many goals as, you might have expected coming into the season. It's funny, Nate was talking about how he was coming in overconfident at the start of the season, and I was just the absolute opposite. It was like yeah. sitting down for the game going, I feel this game like this game is going to be 3 nothing after 10 minutes. I just yeah. am expecting disaster. So I, I guess I was pleasantly surprised, but maybe that was given the, given the benchmark that I was starting from. I will say I seen... too felt... Go ahead, Eli. Okay, well, I think the the pleasantly surprised is, is kind of a, a good way to, to feel with that defense. I think also um, Philly did not attack the defense how I thought they would. Because it seemed to me mm-hmm. that Bakay Debasi on the left was kind of an obvious point to try to overload and, you know, try to catch him having gone too far up the field and send numbers there. And I say that as someone who spent a very brief part of a game in an amateur league here playing left back, I am right footed and slow. It was not good. And I, so I can understand what it's like to be in that position and your vulnerability back there. So I, it sort of surprised me that he didn't get put in more, uh, you know, two on one situations there, defense, defense wise. And so I think that kind of, that did help on, uh, on Minnesota's side of things that there wasn't a lot to reckon with there. But when you look at uh, a situation like the goal that was conceded, it was, not closing down those crosses, which was something that wasn't happening. The bossy was not closing down crossers enough. And and there's there's more to it on that. Um, but I think also on, on the defense, what I was interested to see was how Hassani Dotson fit into that. Since he was playing a little bit more of the six and Ariaga the eight, um, what we've grown used to seeing with Trapp and, and uh, even Ozzy Alonso is them slotting into that back line in a lot of situations, uh, especially between the center backs and the fullbacks. That's a really important spot to be. Hassani Dotson was not doing that. He would slot in for a second, and then he'd get pulled out really quickly because he'd be really eager to, to go close down on somebody, which is fine. That might have been part of the game plan. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but it was just a difference there. Um, and, and so the back line was defending as a group of four a lot more than it was defending as a group of five, which is not something I feel like we've seen in years past. Again, could be part of the game plan. Uh, could have just been a byproduct of the, the personnel issues today. Uh, but that will be something to watch. It's just what the numbers look like and, and who's sliding in and where defensively. We'll get to what we're most confident, most concerned about in just a minute. But first, got to shout out our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee, supporting us here at SodaSoccer.com and on the Post Loons post-game stream. They had a Minnesota United watch party over at Night Street. And we have an opening date for their coffee shop. I've been a proud person who has actually been able to go there and sample some of the coffee that they'll have on tap at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. March 7th is when that coffee shop is going to open at Night Street. So if you're going there for some pickup 
or maybe you've reserved the field for your party, for your team, for your group outing, you can enjoy some coffee there at 9th Street starting on March 7th. And you need to get in now to reserve that field time, reserve that pitch time, because there's not a lot of field time available between pickup and between how many teams, how many group outings are actually being booked right now. So go to 9thStreetMPLS.com or follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at 9thStreetMPLS. Derek Swanson and the team over at 9th Street are awesome. It's a great place to go and just hang out and uh, maybe play some pickup soccer if you're interested. Maybe we can get a uh, a soda soccer uh pick up uh pick up game going over at ninth street sometime this summer i see john's face maybe not maybe not uh john <laughs> you can just come have ambulances space do they have ambulances on site and how many ambulances this is a key because i'm going to need at least <laughs> we can one arrange maybe that, more we can we can arrange that you know that is a thing for for pro soccer you do need an ambulance at the stadium to uh to play a a professional soccer match. Maybe we should get that written into our contract to play pickup over yeah. at night. I need one of those. Anyways. I don't even need an ambulance. I need one of like those cat scan trucks they have just on site, ready to go. <laughs> Cause it's going to happen. I love that. At, at the very least EMTs on site. That's, yes. that's what we need at the very least. Uh, <laughs> Nightstreetmpls.com, N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S.com or follow them Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at nightstreetmpls. We cannot thank the team over at night street enough for helping support sodasoccer.com and if you haven't checked out sodasoccer.com yet please do and also consider subscribing to our patreon as well not only does it help support what we do but you also get some cool early access content um a really cool feature from dominic jose bazonio on kapa 2 who if you've never heard of is probably the best minnesota soccer player that you've never heard of playing in the in the thai third division right now a really really good feature on him from dominic up exclusively on our patreon patreon.com slash sodasoccer before it hits the website early next week. All right, guys, most confident and most concerned. I'll go first. Um, I'm They kind of run together. I'm most confident in the grit that we saw and the edge that we saw from Minnesota United. Um, I've said this numerous times that I feel like this team has lacked an edge in years past. And last year at times they showed an edge, but took it way too far in some circumstances. I thought today they walked that line pretty well of not allowing themselves to be bullied by the union, actually being the aggressors in some of those 50-50 situations and being being a little bit uh, not afraid of, of to, to make contact with Philadelphia uh, in certain cases, but they did not take it too far today. I think that is something that that will bode them well moving forward if they can sort of keep that up and walk that line of, of, being, uh, of having that edge but not taking it too far. Uh, but I am most concerned about consistency, guys, because – consistency uh, john you you mentioned this as one of your the main points of your your preseason piece over at sodasoccer.com the consistency just has not been there for minnesota united they will put together you know three gritty performances at the end of the uh, the end of the regular season to get themselves in the playoffs and then once they get to the playoffs put up put up an absolute stinker against portland they'll they'll grit out a 2-1 win against a quality opponent and then the next day when they go up a man when they're opposing team goes down to 10 men they'll give up three goals and get a minus three goal differential out of it there there are certain inconsistencies about this team that they haven't proven that they're there that are in the rearview mirror with them yet and obviously that's going to take time that's going to take a larger sample size of matches but that's still I, I i'm encouraged from what i saw today but i'm not necessarily overly optimistic about the consistency of that moving forward what do you guys think yeah i mean I, I agree that this was a pretty good performance today, but they got to come back against a very good Nashville team on Saturday and do the same thing over again. 
And that is going to be a key for Minnesota to not let that level drop. All right, Eli, most confident, most concerned. Yeah, I'm going to go pretty basic. Most confident in the attack. Um, this is going to be kind of along the lines of what I talked about on the Chiefs analogy earlier. But, you know, I think the the attack looked just as good as, as you would want it to. You know, maybe more than one goal. But, again, the, the chances were there. The passes were happening. Um, I think Ariaga fit into that really fantastically. He had 92, 91, 92% pass completion uh, and a lot in the opponent's half, which is which is really, really good. Uh, to see there was one moment where he was wide open and Reynoso looked him off to try to dribble into two on one and end up losing it. So some chemistry maybe to develop still um, as far as fitting the midfielders in there. But I think the attack still looked really fantastic and, and a lot of plug and play pieces in there, you know, striker depth. I think the attack just could very well be the best in the league um, by the time we're talking about this at the end of the season. Um, the the defense is, is, is the biggest concern um, just both on the injury side and getting some speed in there you know i think the defense was maybe helped by the fact that so many players were questionable going into this game that philly maybe was not certain of who actually would or wouldn't be on the field until lineups were released an hour or so before the game and so that might have influenced their game plan that they weren't really able to take advantage of some of that but from here on out teams are going to watch the film they're going to see a lack of speed they're going to know where to overload uh, it's it's going to get harder to defend if this is going to be what the the defense looks like. Some of the rotations were really last minute. There were some really risky defending plays. Boxy with the elbow. Um, Coleman had one tackle that it's just it's the sort of tackle that it worked, but the chances of it working are probably not something that you want to gamble on regularly. So just being able to to make consistently safe defensive plays and feel comfortable and that is something that needs to needs to still develop so uh that's the spot of of most concern at work today it could very well work again defense doesn't have to be pretty uh, but at the same time I, I wouldn't mind seeing some prettier defense yeah i think i think uh every minnesota united supporter fan person who covers the team will echo that john what are you most confident in and most concerned about after this one well i I'll, I'll give you two things that I'm confident about. Number one, I'm very confident in my pick of Emmanuel Reynoso to get 20 yellow cards this year, because I really think that if it wasn't for suspensions, he could absolutely have one in every game he plays this year. Uh, the second thing that made me confident was the team's depth to have a couple of injuries, a couple of late breaking injuries to throw in guys that maybe were not part of the reckoning a week ago and to pull off a pretty good performance. I, I thought, um, I, I thought Adrian Heath said something interesting on Mike Rand's podcast from the Star Tribune, the Daily Delivery podcast. He said in past years, he's had moments where it, when he was looking for somebody to sub in, he would look down the bench and he'd say, and he said something along the lines of, I, I would look at the bench and I would think anybody I put on is going to make the team worse. And I don't think he's going to have that problem. I think you saw it with mm-hmm. some of the options today, even with, five guys out injured and six, if you count Patrick Wea, which is not really necessarily somebody who's going to be in the plans immediately this year, but to have that number of injuries and still have as many options as they did today, I think that is confidence. Including. And I sort of touched on it for what I'm concerned about is I'm concerned about the number of injuries, especially Chase Gasper, because head brain injuries are not predictable. It's not like we can just look and say, all right, Chase Gasper has brain injury and he's going to be back next week. This we know from other sports, we know from other people that these things can last for a long time, and that is a concern. And just for the, the number of injuries they had and sort of the PTSD of going back to last year when they started with a few injuries and then they had a ton of injuries and then they had nothing but injuries. That is, I think, the concerning thing for them is 
to try to get back to full health. Before had such a healthy preseason where it looked like nobody was going to be hurt, and then right at the end, Trap and Gasper and Metonier all go down in the week leading up to the game. Practically, it's that I think is their biggest concern right now. Taking a quick water break here to tell you about our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And when I say friends, I 100% mean it. Jason Mora has been supporting 10,000 pitches since its infancy in the summer of 2020. And he's continuing to provide us that support with SodaSoccer.com. And I'm proud to say he's become a good, good friend of mine. Jason used his experience as a pro all over the country, including right here at Minnesota United, to help him launch a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Vlora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, the American Outlaws, and even the Anguian national team all use Stimulus to outfit their club with the jerseys, game gear, and apparel they need. And Stimulus can do the same for you and your club as well. It's pretty simple. Just head to StimulusAthletic.com, start a conversation with their amazing team, and let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's StimulusAthletic.com. I think there's a larger conversation to be had there, John. This is not the time or the place for it, but but what is how, why can't this team keep guys healthy, right? Yeah, it I seems mean, to be my hope that the answer, my hope that the answer for Metonier is because he's 85 years old and he's going to have muscle injuries when it's 80 when he's 85 years old. But you know, you know what I mean there. But mm-hmm. I think that is a question. Yeah, it's a question to ask. Um. You made you made a comment there about uh, head injuries, and I think a lot of Minnesota United fan supporters, myself alike, Im- immediately think of Michael Parra, mm-hmm. um, another Minnesota United defender. I mean, we got you got you get a good year out of him, right? But then, uh, leading into twenty twenty, you you get him at the start of twenty twenty, but then uh, once the pandemic took hold, you you lose him and he never comes back, right? Right. Um, and that negatively affected Minnesota United from an on field standpoint. Uh, pretty, pretty significantly. I mean, that's an MLS defender of the year. You invest a lot of money in him. You expect that you're going to have this guy for at least a few years and then you don't. And it, and it affects your defense. Uh, as you mentioned, if Chase Gasper, if this is a long-term thing with Chase Gasper, I tweeted this after the initial injury report came out. It, it's, it's an issue. If it's one or two games, that's fine. I think that's something you can mix and match and sort of survive. But if it's, if it's, more than five games if it's a persistent thing throughout the season they're going to have a tough time keeping uh, keeping the ball out of the net i think um and maybe they'll have to make a move in the middle of the season to try to get some help and some assistance on the back line i like what i saw from o'neill fisher um today so that's again, a positive thing about the depth on the back line moving forward uh but he can't he doesn't really play on the left that's that's going to be justin mcmaster it seems um and we saw him in in, in spurts last year to be honest, wasn't very encouraging from the sample size that we saw from him last year, but he's a guy who was just getting his feet wet. So we don't know what we have in McMaster as that potential guy who could slide in at left back um, if this is a persistent issue with, with Chase Gasper. Um, all right, let's go into some of these questions and comments that we have in the stream here. If you want to leave a question and comment, hit up our YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up while you're there. Subscribe to the channel while you're there, but also leave a question or comment in the chat. Um, and we're going to start with Chris Alphaby here. Um, he has a bit of a critical comment here. Let's have it pop up. Said Lud on an island in the attack who knew chance was the only progressive pass. Um, I think that 
we, we've seen traditionally for Minnesota United, the way they attack is on the flanks, it's on the wings, right? They haven't really been a direct attacking team. They're, they're a different attacking team, though, in 2022, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to sort of maybe fall into some of those habits of attacking on the outside when maybe they should be attacking more direct up the field. Eli, do you have any insight on that or any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think um, there certainly were more progressive passes. I can think of one that happened just a few minutes into the game. Um, it might have only been a couple minutes into the game that was a through ball to Amaria. So there were progressive passes, but I also kind of would want to zoom out and ask the question of how progressive do passes need to be for this Minnesota United team? Because passing is not what makes this attack so good. It's dribbling. And the you know the easiest way to advance the ball in soccer, regardless of position, regardless of anything, is to dribble it into open space right in front of you. That will forever and always be the easiest way to advance the ball. Minnesota is a fantastic dribbling team, even in traffic. Uh, and so I think the passes doesn't, don't necessarily need to be super progressive. Um, the attack can kind of work rugby style. Advance until you can't advance it anymore and then dump it off five yards to the guy next to you and he can run at it. That's kind of what this attack does, especially Reynoso and Fragapane, and that kind of works. Um, so, you know, being on an island, I don't know about, about that because I think he, he got a good amount of touches. Um, but I also, you know, I, I don't think progressive passing is necessarily the way to uh, to measure this attack's success, per se. When you said rugby style, I thought you meant booting the ball out, out of bounds upfield and then challenging the throw in. I was like, yeah, yeah. they did do some of that. that that's <laughs> that, true. That works that too. That's a lot a, in the first half. Play rugby on both ends. You know, do the do the – run and dump it off on one end and the booted out of bounce and contest the throw it on the other end. Perhaps yeah. more soccer teams should play like rugby teams. Yeah, I agree. I think if Reynoso would just pick the ball up and then just try to kick it through the defenders, like when they're not expecting it, I think that would make a, it would be a big step forward for the game of soccer in general. Don't give him more we ideas. We already talked on the podcast about putting, putting someone on someone else's shoulders. That's right. So, I mean, this that's, is... a, that's a rugby thing too. So here we go. Maybe we got the strategy guys. SodaSoccer.com is your destination for tactical advancements. We're like Amos Alonzo <laughs> Stag of soccer. This is awesome. Uh, John Marthaler will have a uh, will have a two thousand word piece on on why right. soccer should adopt more rugby uh, yeah. more rugby. Uh, it's time to legalize forward. the forward pass in soccer, everybody. <laughs> legalize it. Hashtag legalize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, Sam Pfeiffer. Uh, great friend, host of Pot on Eloons, says, Eli, sweet basketball hoop in the background. I like the decor you have. Is that a dorm room? Yeah, no, it's a, it's an apartment. Um, the basketball hoop's okay. oh, I'm pointing the wrong way. My, my thing's not mirrored. Um, basketball hoop is a gift. It's supposed to go on the back of a door. However, I am 6'3", and so a basketball hoop on a door comes up to, like, chest height, <laughs> and it's just not very satisfying. So it's actually it's a command hook with a clothes hanger uh, that the basketball hoop is then attached to to hang it at a more reasonable height. Um, Eli, it when works. you make it, when you make a great point, you need to just reach out with like a basketball and just throw it just, over your shoulder. And I, don't, like, I don't have the basketball, it. Me, but yeah, yeah, that would be really satisfying. Next, next episode, I promise I'll have it figured out. <laughs> I thought you might be in a dorm room, and I saw all the decor on the walls, and I was very concerned about the amount of fines that you're going to accrue. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. For, this is this is a little bit more permanent than that. All right, sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. All right, guys, we're going to wrap things up here in just a few minutes. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. For tuning in. Thank you, John and Eli, for jumping on the stream. Big thanks to Nate Pence from Pence Homes for uh, supporting us and jumping on the stream as well. Uh, give us some final thoughts, guys. Obviously, the Nashville match uh, coming up next weekend is a big one, another sort of measuring stick for this team. They sort of I, they, they passed this initial test, uh, but another big one coming up 
at home in front of the Wonder Wall against Nashville on Saturday, or I believe it's is it Saturday next week or is it Sunday? I can't I can't remember now. Saturday, I think. I'm pretty sure it's Saturday night. Saturday, five p.m. How, how are we feeling about start? about our, our chances against Nashville? Well, I think one of the interesting things about just the way MLS is set up this year with the, the Loons are playing 26 games against the Western Conference and eight against the Eastern Conference. So these Eastern Conference matchups are almost like non-conference games in college basketball or something like that. They matter, mm. but they don't matter quite as much as sort of the league games, the conference games, the Western Conference games. And so in, in, in a little bit, I feel like the game against Nashville is almost like the season over. It's not just the home opener. It's like the opening of the Western Conference schedule where playing playing against Philadelphia, it's, at any point you pick up against Eastern Conference is like a bonus point practically. But the yeah. Western Conference games, it's everything is everything feels like a six pointer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think yeah, with the with the kind of new schedule set up, uh, it, it's just it's interesting because getting it was one of your eight Eastern conference games to be away at Philadelphia. That's about as unlucky as you can get And the loons got that and got a point. Um, so that's just, that's very much a bonus point. Cause that's not a situation where you can really expect that much out of it. Um, but home against Nashville, even with Nashville, you know, being a good side, not the Nashville that we grew used to that first year, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a big game. It's a game that matters. Um, I, I think, loons very much should probably be favored given it's at home i think that the biggest question mark question mark is just going to be what does the defense look like who's available um does it hold up a second week if it's something kind of patchwork like this if the defense holds up you trust the attack you know the attack's good for at least a goal or two every game probably i'd be shocked how often they're shut out um comes down to whether the the defense can can give this team a chance to take one or three points John, I want to finish off on a note that you made in your pregame piece at sodasoccer.com. Over the last 30 games, after that 0-4 start, in spite of the injuries that we talked about, in spite of the inconsistencies that we talked about, this team was a top three team in the West for that period of time, right? After the 0-4 start. Right. If this team I can mean, just have any semblance of consistency and actually get that production that we want them to have in the attack, there's no reason why... This team shouldn't be one of those. We talked about the tiers on the podcast, right? This, there's no reason this team shouldn't be a surefire playoff team. And I think today's performance is only sort of a, a, a reiteration of that or more hammering that home that this team has the potential. They, they faced a lot of hurdles. They had a lot of um, they, they had a lot of adversity today. You come away with a point at, at a team that people think is the class of the Eastern Conference. Pretty confident heading into the rest of the schedule. It's just being able to be consistent. And you're, you're already off to a better start than last year. So if anything, take solace in that. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I think they, in a way, just because of that awful start and the number of guys who came in midseason, the stand, you are what the standings say you are, but at the same time, there was almost something hidden in the standings that was hiding what Minnesota truly was last year. And so I think, like you say, if they can get that consistency right from the, right from the jump, which, like you said, they're already better off this season mm -hmm. than they were a month into last season, then that bodes well for them. And not just from a points and from a table standpoint, it, it, it raises the confidence. It gives you a little bit of momentum. I mean, they were just digging that hole deeper, deeper, and deeper in the early part of last season, but you already have something to hang your hat on and something to motivate you moving forward from Minnesota United. And I think that is the positive, the most positive thing we can take from this opener. The one, one draw 
in Philadelphia. Jacob Schneider is going to have a recap piece up tonight or tomorrow morning over on SodaSoccer.com, so check that out. Great content up at SodaSoccer.com all next week as well. So make sure you're checking out the website. Make sure you're checking us out on social at SodaSoc, wherever Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we're there. We're in all the, all the spots, all the places. And also, if you could, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. Uh, early access and bonus content will be up there all season and all year long. John, Eli, thank you so much for your early contributions to Soda Soccer and for being on the on the post-game stream with me today. I very much appreciate it.